You're listening to The Revenue Playbook. Join top sales reps and leaders as they share exactly what it takes to go from cold to close. Saad, welcome to The Revenue Playbook. Uh, obviously, we talk pretty frequently. Uh, for everyone who's listening, Saad is our BDR manager and just overall, uh, I would say, duly hype man, right? Uh, and uh, and so just like the- on the show, so finally... <laughs> I know I had to really like lobby for a spot, but we finally, finally fit him in. Um, honestly, because Saad has an amazing playbook for uh, how to hire, ramp, encourage uh, like BDRs and like get to get them to a place um, of success, like uh, and, and making the BDR uh, core integral, integral uh, part of our strategy. Um, and I think a lot of teams kind of look at it as, as a throwaway, like BDRs is something that you just like keep adding to the machine and uh, there's there's a ton of churn, right? And you don't pay them well. Uh, and I think we've taken a different approach and I uh, wanted to uh, sort of uh, pick your brain, uh, I hate that word, uh, pick your brain about uh, exactly what you've done and uh, see if we can outline the playbook for folks here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. You know, I love to talk and this is a topic closer to my heart. So let's get to it. Yeah, no, I I very much know that you love to talk and I love to hear you talk uh, and just uh, finding the exact topic uh, to talk about uh, was all that needed to happen. So let's get into it. For one, uh, BDRs can be described, you know, different ways at different companies. Uh, It's kind of just become like this weird nebulous term. So let's start at the very beginning. Let's define BDR for the audience and specifically, like, how do we define it at Dooley? And is that different um, than how everyone else defines it? Yeah. Quick one. Uh, maybe I'm new or I'm not cool enough, but I see XDRs getting thrown out as well. And I'm just like, what is going on over here? So traditionally, you always hear SDR, sales development representative. Um, typically, SDRs in companies, typically, you know, uh, the, na- the acronyms are interchange- interchangeable. They would only serve as uh, servicing inbound demo requests. So they'll be used as a function to just manage all the inbound demo requests to qualify people out to best guess if people are good enough to just, you know, if they're fit for the company or not. In a weird way, they could be looked at as a servicing channel. Just We just want to make sure this is good enough for the AEs. I don't like that. I don't like thinking of it that way. Um, then there are other companies that can call SDRs, BDRs, business development representatives. And they think of it this way that you're going out and then creating a business need. So people typically call them outbound reps. So you could be working a variety of leads uh, or we can get into that later. But both the functions are basically serving as your entry point to the market. How do you take what your product does to your ICP? Also, let's not use words like ICP. If Dooley can help sellers sell, then who's going to take Dooley to the sellers? There's only so much a 10, there's only so much for 10 people, a 10 person marketing team can do. There's only so much you can achieve by just, you know, having the right strategy and resources in place. So the SDR BDRs are your first way in. They're the people that are going to educate the industry on what you do. They're the people that are going to convince people that there is a problem. They're the people that are going to help these people understand the problem and guide them to a resolute solution. And frontline workers, frontline workers, your first line of uh, line of fire People use words like these as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's the best way to put it. 
Yeah, I like that. So at Dooley, to clarify, BDRs are essentially SDRs and BDRs in one. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're spot on. Uh, we are working on what's it called? We will find a way to optimize the function as we scale to just have them be more strategic inbound versus outbound. But the benefit of this right now is this. They're being built to sell. They're not being built and trained to serve a function. I'm training BDRs, given we're, we've given them inbound and outbound both. So when inbounds are coming and there's high volume, they are going through the repetition of having a lot of conversations with people that might have similar problems and needs so they can focus on the discovery side of things. Let's also make a distinction between an inbound opportunity and an outbound opportunity or an inbound or outbound conversation. When a prospect is coming inbound, think of it like uh, a demo request is like me going to the doctor and being like, hey, I have a fever. So a demo request or an inbound request is I'm convinced I have a fever. So if we go to the doctor or if I just go to the pharmacy without going to the doctor and I ask them for a fever medication, I can potentially kill myself. Uh, maybe that's extreme, but we're in 2022 right now. That fever could be caused by COVID. That fever could be caused by some other infection in your body, whatever. So if an inbound request is basically the end point of a prospect figuring out that they have a problem. So the way my BDRs are working those inbound demo requests at other companies, they do quick qualification. Us, we're like, no, I'm not going to give you a medication for your fever. I need to understand where the fever, why the fever happened, right? So that is the benefit of giving them inbound opportunities because the conversation, the discovery process is different. Uh, sorry, it's the exact same. You go through the layers, but then the conversation changes a little bit. Now you're convincing somebody, yeah, you've addressed the fact that you have a problem, but let's go to the why the problem happened. On the flip side, when you're going outbound, the discovery remains the same. The way you go through the layers of a problem remains the same, but then the conversation kind of changes. Now, I'm going to people and telling them and talking to them about like, hey, we typically go through these problems for Dooley. If you're, what's it called? Uh, if you're an AE or a manager, you're stuck in calls all day long, then you're doing admin work to just, you know, uh, update your notes and update your pipeline. Uh, you're overworking and a lot of that stuff. Do you go through that? Does that stress you out? Does that cause you concerns? Does that make you lose, lose work? Do you go through that on day to day? So now this person goes like, wait, I didn't realize I had a fever. Tell me more. Tell me more because like it might get hotter and I might get sicker. Like, please continue. Tell me like I need to avoid getting sicker. So now you're also training that other side of things where you're not just servicing somebody who's convinced they have a fever, but now you're also that doctor on in a van on wheels, just whatever the word is. You're now addressing a problem for people. You're not convincing them, not just for the sake of convincing, but educating them and helping them realize that there's a, there's a need. Um, and I think looking at it holistically, that makes a good seller. Ideally, I would hope so. Because you need to understand that these problems are not always the same. They can be, but they're not always. So you need to really break it down. That's I think that's where deals are won and lost. And just to close that off, people always say that BDR should be selling the meeting. I think that's kind of incorrect and wrong. Why are you selling the meeting? Right? If you, 
if you don't understand the why behind selling a meeting, then that meeting could easily go nowhere. So I'm training BDRs to understand why the product will be sold, why it would be bought. Um, and yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot of good stuff to unpack there. I think to break it down, what you're saying and your unique kind of like strategy to building a BDR team and training a BDR team is uh, setting BDRs up to be sellers, like rather than like order takers, right. Or like, or just like that first line of attack. What I'm hearing from you is you're saying uh, we we help build demand in the market, right? Um, in the same way that that is like a north star for marketing, uh, you know, BDRs like should essentially be thinking like marketers, but also be thinking like sellers. And you train them to be great at discovery, like the the true like selling, finding the problem, solution people, right? And some of the negativity around BDRs, I think, especially like inbound. Um, which tends to be SDR, but is the fact that um, it's not necessarily a good user experience or customer experience um, when it's just that, when they're just being qualified. Like nobody likes being qualified, (laughs) but people do like to talk about their problems, right? And to figure out solutions to their problems together when they feel like the person is truly an expert on the other, on the other side of it. So this is another like thing that I've seen like from the BDR team too is, and we get compliments on this is, oh, like I had a really good um, experience, like with your BDR, I had a really good selling experience. And this is not just from AEs, this is from BDRs too, because they're again, selling. And so setting them up to uh, be great at discovery, to um, find, you know, find the actual problem, to also know the solution really well, know the product really well, be experts in the product, you know, that seems to be a gap is like, you know, when BDRs are speaking to high level uh C-suite folks that, you know, they can feel that it's a, a, a brand new, you know, fresh faced, uh, like BDR in some cases. And that hasn't uh, been the case, you know, at Dooley so far, and we've gotten really good feedback. So that I think is a good level set for, for this whole episode is train your, train your BDRs to be true sellers and, um, uh, you know, solution finders and experts like in the product, uh, and not just like a check mark that you have to, or like gatekeepers, right. Uh, that you have to pass through to, to get through the person that you really want to talk to. So, um, with that being said, this is the part, you know, in the podcast where, uh, I just jump right. Typically like you jump right into like the training, you jump into like the onboarding plan. Um, but you've been pretty adamant about, you need to find the right people, uh, to be able to like carry out, uh, this type of a, new BDR process and uh, playbook. And so I want to start there. So what do you look for in a BDR uh, when you're hiring and what questions you ask to make sure they're the right person? Um, I'll take a step back and I'll say something polarizing that people are going to have an issue with, but Hey, look, you have to work for your own strategy and not just eat up any and every generic advice that's out there. What is that? Friends, please, whoever's listening, don't hate me. <laughs> um, you know, when uh, folks say just give people a chance, whether they have experience or not, um, just open the door. That's not wrong. But it's it can be bad strategic advice for a certain time. What do I mean by that? At a startup like Dooley High Growth, we we need to execute. We need to do. So yeah, I can bring in a level one BDR who's never sold before, who doesn't get tech sales, who like, you know, I need to build up just all the level one work. The thing is that all I know is I don't know enough about them and all, and that's them exactly the same. 
So the position we're in, we need reps to execute, AKA I'm not hiring level one BDRs. When I was at Clio, it was a 500 employee company. They hired me as a level one BDR because their target was supported by 200 other sellers. So I was given all the time in the world to build up to, I was never a great rep to start off with. I had to become a good rep. So that's also the thing that I look for is A, I'm looking for BDRs that are, that have gotten their foot through the door and not just the fact that they've gotten the foot through the door. I'm looking at the company they're working at. So that tell, gives me an idea regards to, are they going to be able to fit into a social selling model? If not the social selling model, then my BDRs do demos. If this person has been in an enterprise company, if they've been having these kind of conversations, would they be able to do the level two work that I want them to do? As mentioned before, uh, I don't think I mentioned before, I our BDRs are closing their own deals. So I'm not focusing purely on BDRs to do the level one work. I'm ideally looking for BDRs that have kind of just, you know, cross that path. Um, and this might seem like I'm not coaching. No, I'm just coaching on other things. I'm coaching on level two, level three. I'm coaching on everything past the basic phase of CC your boss and then email, just talk to people this way. That's, that's also the thing, right? People think BDR managers are just coaching kids. Let's also talk about BDR managers and the job that they're doing now. The, one of the biggest thing as well that I'm looking for, I'm looking for personability. Camille, how much do we collaborate? How a much? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. It's I'm so much of the success too, is like, you know, not having like a leaky funnel. Right. And so being able to have like clean handoffs, which uh, interestingly enough is like something Julie <laughs> helps with and like does well. Right. But that handoff process between uh, marketing and, and BDRs and then BDRs to AEs in some cases and uh, sales to CS in general. Right. Like all of that is super important for, for the customer experience and customer experiences uh, often underappreciated. Yeah. So, yeah. So just on that too. So I guess to answer your question, uh, I'm a little untraditional when it comes to interviews. I'm looking for a people that are at kind of a level two, or maybe they've worked at a high growth startup or they've worked at a company uh, where I can do a best guess that, you know what, they probably have some of the basics down. Um, the other thing that I do is I... I love psychology and sales. I really think it's more psychological than people really think. And I think it's very basic to understanding human nature and human consumption. So the thing that I am looking for and focusing on is it's a stressful job. I'm looking for people that I can be in the trenches with. I'm looking for somebody that if we just talk on a call for like one or two hours, I won't get bored. I'm also building a sports team. In a sports team, you have multiple players with unique skills and they add to the team. They add to the roster. In a sports team, the manager is closer to the reps. The manager is closer to the players. The manager is in the trenches as well. So if and when we have to have a tough conversation, what ties us together is respect. But the success is reliant on just the work that we do. The other thing that I love to do is, you know, I'm a DJ. So <laughs> um, I ask people, hey, what are you doing on the weekend? And they give me sometimes vanilla answers like, oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm like, okay, I'll make this easy for you. I just flip my screen and I show them my controller. I'm like, okay, so I DJ on the weekends, make any assumptions you like. Um, now you tell me, what do you do on the weekends? How do you like to have fun? I'd rather work on that and give you more time there. I don't want to hear that you want to be an a VP of sales in five, five years. I want to be a VP of sales in five years. I don't know how to, get, I'm trying to figure out a way to get there. So I can give you that right now. 
But tell me, what do you want on the weekends? Tell me, what do you want in six months? Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to buy a car? Do you want to go on a trip with your girlfriend? Like, give me real level motivations that we can work with. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, and obviously I want to, I want to get an idea that person's coachable and process oriented. Um, that that's one of the most important things in organization, but how do you judge for organization in an interview? You can't. So find the personality traits that when you have to do that work, these people are going to listen to you and talk to you and work with you. Nice. Uh, real, real quick. And I'll get to the next one. What do you think those personality traits are? Like, what are just some of the like nuances? Coachability personality, friendly people, just no grumps. I want people that are just like, they can take a joke. They, they love a joke. Also, BDRs are the party in your Slack channels. So, you know, we need people to make some noise. And more t- traditional to today is people that know how to write, that have a little bit of a personal brand. And I, the word personal brand is uh, a, a bit overused, but people can think strategically about writing, educating, um, and understanding marketing and branding. Because that's for me is one of the biggest thing here at Dooley. The amount of social selling that we do, the amount of campaigns we work on together and a lot of that stuff. I feel like those things need to tie, you need to hire for your company. That's just what it comes down to. The soft skills need to be there, but you need to hire for your company. Yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, hire for like the culture too, like uh, and culture fit. And because because uh, realistically, if you're building this type of BDR model, uh, like you're building it to last, right? You're not building like a churn machine. And so you really want someone, you know, that believes like in the mission uh, in the product and the people, you know? Um, and I see that like over and over again with um, with the types of people that, you know, choose to, to work at Dooley. So um, you would need to find that for your own company as well. All right. So what does the onboarding process look like? Um, like just walk me through, the you know first week but then also the 30 60 90 yeah i'm very hands-on i don't micromanage but i'm very hands-on sorry let me have some water um i've asked uh, i've been asked this multiple times by my reps uh, and i've said this consistently and now i get the new reps to tell the older uh, newer reps sorry old reps to tell the newer reps this um let's talk the first 30 days and let's break it down by the first week in essence what needs to happen is they need to buy into the company and its culture. The way that happens is by talking to the right people in every department and how what they're doing is adding to what we do. You, you must be getting pings every first week uh, new rep start is I'm telling my reps to just go make friends, but strategically, right? Go make friends, go get personable, go talk to everybody in your first week. But I'm also giving them a list of people that you will need to talk to because as soon as you get into the work, they're going to be supporting you. So you're there for marketing. Caitlin's there for their technical stuff. Scarlett's there for enablement. My message to them in week one is purely make friends. But that is supplemented with very basic, very basic lighthearted product training. Our week one is not bogged down typically how it's intense. It's not. It's designed this way. And I say this to every single rep. If it seems too chill, it's designed this way. I don't want you to go on to your first call and feel like it's the final exam. And how do I fix that? Companies in the second week will get their reps on the call. If they want to be modern about this model, they'll get them on the call and they'll give them target accounts. No, don't do that. It's going to feel like a final exam. They're either going to be not prepared or they're going to be like, what do we do? So instead, 
what my old company used to do was give me close loss reports within three months, after three months of uh, what's it called, uh, ramp or whatever. I'm like, no, give them close loss accounts in the first week of dialing or whenever you want to do that. I get them on the phones on the seventh day. Dooley is not a complicated product because the problem is so relevant, right? So the way it ties in together for them, working close loss ops is like an open book exam. So you see everything, why an opportunity was created, what they were interested in, why they didn't buy. So now when you're going back to them, calling them based on some of the changes we've done or whatever, you're doing that thing where, okay, if week one was training, then now I'm like riding the bike with training wheels. You're not taking the wheels off right away. Second week is doing the work still, but on training wheels. So second week is all about closed lost accounts, work the closed loss account, understand what's going on. I also, in month one, in the 30 days, their quota is 0%. Any meeting they book, I give them the money for it. Why? The best way to make good sellers is to give them confidence. The best way to give them confidence is to give them early wins. If you give sharks a taste of fresh blood, they're going to want more. That, so after the two weeks pass within the 30 day, the, the third week is where things get fun. I get them to write sequences. I get them to write their own scripts. We have our own sequence and baseline scripts. But when I was at Clio, when I was a VDR, my company gave me sequences and scripts. And the first thing in my thought, I was like, I don't talk like this. I like, I just don't talk like this. This does not sound like me. So I took the framework and the message that they wanted to deliver. And I made it my own. I made it sound like Saad. It flew. So that's exactly what I did with Sam and Daniel. In the first week, I gave them sequences and they were like, mm, this is a little, uh... I was like, you know what? I feel the exact same way because I know this doesn't sound like you, Sam. I know this doesn't sound like you, Daniel. So we sat together and we we're like, okay, so this is the framework. Write it for you, Sam. Write it for you, Daniel. 80% open rate, 60% reply rates. And they're confident with their sequences now. So think about what's happening over here. I'm not just building you to sell. I'm building you to optimize your day-to-day -day workflow because in next month when a campaign comes or something happens, you will need to build your own sequence. I'm not going to be there building all your sequences for you. You need to take ownership of that. So I'm coaching them to take ownership on that as well. Now let's also talk about the difference between training and coaching. Training is showing people or training them how to use a software, how to use Dooley, how to use Salesforce, where that fits in. Coaching is your day-to-day -day optimization on training and how do we get better? Coaching is you repping it out with your team. Coaching is you building on a day-to-day. -day. So I do a sales initiation with my team in which, uh, in the, this is actually in the first week actually, where I covered three concepts. The Meaningful Deposit Theory by Josh Braun, which is you're never gonna go to a job interview till you don't just apply and deposits, meaningful deposits, right? They're not gonna call you. You're not going to withdraw money from a bank account till you haven't made deposits. Like you need to fill that bank before you pull money out. How do you expect to get a meeting with a prospect if you haven't filled their knowledge bank, their education bank, or whatever that bank is? Going to a prospect asking for a meeting, not having filled that bank versus going to a prospect and that bank being a little bit more filled up. The second thing that I coach them on is the give and get mentality. People are always going to give you objections. People are always going to say things like, oh, just send me something. Okay, give them what they want, but then try and get something in return. Hey, I, this seems interesting, but you know, just send me something. Okay, no worries, Mr. Prospect. 
let's do this. When I share these things, uh, it creates more questions than answers. So let's do this. Let's connect again next week. This way, we'll go through everything. And if there is something perfect, we'll set you up for a demo. If not, then what I've done is given you anything and everything you need to make an informed decision. And we've ironed things out. Would you be opposed to that? The right, the smart people won't be opposed to it. Um, so the first uh, 30, 60 days are purely focused on a lot of that work. And I'm, I might be missing some points over here, but there's a lot of call review sessions every week. So I'm reviewing deals with them. I'm talking to them about the things they should say, when they should say, why they should say, how every objection can be turned into a potential point of relevance for you. Like you need to understand it's not the objection that you need to solve for. It's why the objection comes, just like the demo request thing we were talking about, right? So it's a way to think. It's a way to be. It's a way to look at problems. It's also a way to talk. How do I, the third part of my initiation, how do I talk is Chris Voss. Um, Chris Voss has uh, a technique called mirroring in which prospects and our verbiage is never going to be the exact same as, uh, as uh, is never going to be understood by our industry and our customers, uh, how we want them to understand it. So there's always somebody on the other end of the spectrum. So mirroring is the best way to get people on the same level as you. So if we're having a conversation and I'm saying, oh, Camille, send me a three ring binder. And you're like, wait, what three ring binder? I'm like, yeah, a three ring binder, you know, like, 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 oh, so you mean a notebook? Yeah. Okay. I guess that's what I actually am at. So that's a big example, but you get on people's level. You start using us and we statements versus I statements. You make my conversation and our conversation. So these are the basics that I'm focusing on in the first two months. And then the third month is just optimization on top of all of this. Third month is where I'm tracking some metrics. Third month in the 90th month is where I'm seeing, okay, we've put the baseline, we've put the basics in place. Now let's go ahead with it. So the way it works for me is people come in first, you build a process for the people and you tie it together with trust. 30, 60, 90. People, process, trust. Awesome. Yeah, I loved. I loved how you summarized that. Uh, I, I want to get into the details in case uh, in case I'm misinterpreting. Because uh, you talked about coaching and training, and I love how you separated those two. Of uh, you know, like the, the coaching, the people, uh, the the why, like that comes first, um, and then like the training, more of like how do you apply this? You know, like the tactical. What uh, what tool are we selling and what tools are we using to sell that tool? <laughs> if you look at it that way. So when uh, does that come into this process? Um, it's ongoing. It needs to be on top of one another and overlap because training is, it should be every day. It should be consistent. And that's why this becomes a question because nobody actually talks about training and coaching for reps. People just throw it out there. I, I can say this. Not many people know how to coach and train their reps. Why? Because the traditional industry is promoting super reps, super leaders into leadership positions. The way the world works is if you've always been great, if you've never known how to build up, then you probably won't be the best kind of teacher. AKA, if you were never, okay, use my example. I had to figure out how to talk less and I still haven't, but then I had to figure out how to continue talking and then connect my tangents. You know how you said, I like the way you connected that. So, you know, um, I'm not going to change somebody on how they are, but I need to continuously work them to help them turn their weakness to strength and strength to second nature. 
So if every day we're training them how to use a tool, then I also need to complement that training for tools with coaching on how to have the conversation, what to say, what, how to understand these problems. Um, there's no relevant, I shouldn't say there's no relevant playbook for it, but the way we're doing it, the way I'm doing it is multiple call reviews where I'm not just breaking down what to say, but understanding why they said what. Something interesting that I'd like to coach my reps on is when, you know, when you're saying things to people on demos and they go, huh, I'm like, that's when I'm like, that part, like, people don't say, I'm like, that, huh, it's probably the most original, most natural reaction that person could have, could have, uh, could have gotten. And people just skip past that. And I get my reps like, no, 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 okay, stop. Train your ears to active listening. Active listening is not necessarily okay, let's focus on something that I can mirror them with. No, active listening is these inflection points that I call them. The huh, the oh, we've thought about it. Wait, hold on, let's take a step back. Why did you think about it? That's coaching and training. Like not, oh, ask them, yeah, as much as you want to quantify everything and all that stuff, like you get, find a way to get more color. These, that, there's no best way to do it or talk about it, but just be on the call with them. Because that's what I used to do as a rep. That's, more, that's how my discovery got better. I used to write discovery notes in essay formats and I used to get pinged by my managers all the time. Like, what is this? But there was a lot of color in there. There was a lot of details that were getting missed. So my job now is to find a way to basically condense all these things that I've learned over time and find a way to give them to my reps um, so that they have an ammunition belt to just pick and choose out of and continue to go. Yeah, yeah, this is great. So I, I wrote down some notes because what I'm hearing is coaching Coaching is like the uh, allowing your reps to understand the why and like being able to make those connections so that so that they can improv, right? Like so that they can like uh, pivot based on the scenario, right? But uh, before that, like uh, before you kind of introduce, um, you know, this kind of uh, way of thinking for coaching, it's uh, people get caught up in like the memorization aspect of it. So I'm going back to the beginning of this episode where you're talking about like it feeling like a final exam, right? And like you're, and like the school analogy, I feel like that fits perfectly here where it's like, are you memorizing the things? Like, are, you know what I mean? Like, are, are you just like the, the rep that's just memorizing the things, uh, but you don't know why or how to apply them? Like, or are you learning like the theory, you know, and becoming becoming a scholar. So I had this professor uh, for like my marketing research class, which is essentially just like stats, um, who for whatever reason, like him just saying like, are you trying to become a scholar? Like the first month I feel like of that class was just like, become a good learner, like become a scholar. And it finally clicked of like, oh, I haven't really learned how to learn like all through high school and even like most way through college. Like I'm just really good at memorizing things, right? And just like, crunching before like a test. Right. Um, but, uh, but actually like learning and like wanting to understand the connections and the why, uh, and like reverse engineering, you know what I mean? Like that's like, what's going to help you become good at a job or especially at selling. You probably figured that out by yourself. Right. Camille, like you, well, no, maybe you you had the right people guiding you, but the word you said, reverse engineering, nobody teaches you that that is the hack. Yeah. I mean, I, I just realized at one point that like to learn, I have to, I have to understand why it works for me. So to go back to the super rep analogy, and when I've heard you talk about this and I've heard Michelle talk about this, 
And I was thinking about, I was talking to uh, Tyler Bennett on, on the first episode of, I think we ended on uh, this idea of why, why don't the best athletes make, always make good coaches, right. To again, make that analogy too. And I think you brought up a, like magic Johnson, right. Like an insane athlete and like, not necessarily a great coach There's like lots and lots of examples of this. And partly because it's like, what I think is if I've always been able to dunk the ball, you know what I mean? I can't relate with you. Like, I can't understand, like, why is it hard for you to dunk the ball? <laughs> you know, why is it hard for you to do these things? And because it's hard when you get to that level, I think to like really reverse engineer to that again, like level one BDR to go back to this of how do I get you to the next step to get you to the next step? You know what I mean? Like, how do I reverse engineer all of the steps to help you get to the point that I'm at now? You know, like, how do I reverse engineer what I did? Uh, and you basically like outlined a lot of those things, right? Like you knew that uh, Chris Voss and uh, Josh Braun were big influences and you saw the, probably the success from using those techniques and now you're just taking that highlight reel, you know, going back to coaching, like you're just looking at the film, you're helping them look at their own film, looking at uh, closed loss deals. I wanted to dig into this too, because I thought this was really smart. Of uh, That's something that's pretty low risk, right? You literally, are, it's already a closed loss uh, deal, right? Like there's, there's really like uh, nothing to lose there, but there is something to like dissect, if you want to put it that way, in the same way that medical students, you know, like will watch as like other people do surgery or like look at cadavers ever to just understand like the body and how it works. Like that's what, that's what you're having your reps do is you're like looking in doing that post-mortem, right? Like on this deal, looking at what could have been done differently and then having them actively work that off, which is somewhat, it's not hot, obviously it's, it's kind of cold now that it's a, uh, but they have the problem. You know what I mean? You're working with somebody that like has the problem that you solve for, uh, and you're trying to play it back a different way. So I thought that was smart and that you given the confidence that way in like working a deal that like has opportunity and has a chance to close, but is, is low pressure. You know where it gets strategically more fun because we just released deal vitals last week and it made so much noise. All these ops that close for whatever reason, Billy is now a much stronger and different product. So as much as, yeah, you can go dissect that, you can have newer, better conversations because the logic here is this close lost op is your way through the door. You don't have to worry and tense up about a cold call. It's technically, we're working on a few projects right now that I'm not going to uh, disclose, obviously. But technically, that's kind of what we're trying to do is give our reps warm calls, right? So if we think about synergy and psychology, it starts with the week one training. And now it's going into our strategic bets as well. So my job is to make life easier. I want my reps to work smart, not hard. This whole idea of salespeople, that's exactly what Dooley is in business for, right? Salespeople don't have to work 12-hour days. You can work your nine to five and live your life if you have the right tool and the right coaching and training in place. Why do sellers make so much money? Because it's a tough job. Why is it a tough job? Because there's no structure for this job. Like we need to look at this from a holistic sense of view. I'm not saying outlandish things. I'm lucky I get to work at a company like Dooley where I was given the chance to execute this. That's why I came here. That's why, like, when Michelle said we're gonna get our BDRs to close deals, I was like, oh, 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 oh. let's talk about this. Yeah, so, I mean, it gets you, it gets you fired up, right? Because uh, you know that that's like a, a real career path, right? That that's like a real, like, uh, you know, something that you've experienced, like, as as a BDR and as different selling roles and stuff is like being in places maybe like where you didn't feel feel that way, and then also seeing like. Uh, how it looks like when it's done right. You bring up Cleo a lot, right? So, um, so I do have to, um, I have, I have to wrap up. You'll appreciate this because I have a, a 
a call with Chris. I can't like miss a, miss a call with Chris after this or be late, late for that one. But I do want to touch on um, uh, like some of the tactical aspects too. So like the, the tools, training resources, you need to like really equip BDRs for success. I know you're passionate about some of these things. So let's break it down. Yeah. So one thing, uh, I don't know how much we can disclose and share, but you can just remove this. I think uh, um, I do love to talk a lot, but the way you don't just get your BDRs to close deals, it just doesn't happen overnight. It can't happen overnight. This was us solving for a problem. We have a decent amount of demand. We have one of the best marketing teams in the world. Shout out Camille and Mark. So when I was coming to Dooley, I was excited to cold call saying the name Dooley. Hey, we're calling from Dooley. Um, and then when I started, basically, Michelle showed me, she was like, I'm a visual learner. So I put everything on a mirror board. So I'll, I'll just walk you through it. So, oh, I cannot share this. Okay, right here. So when I joined, I was basically told by Michelle that, hey, so you know what? We need to solve for a problem, which is uh, we have a lot of demand and we need to basically somehow separate the demand to the BDR team and the AE team and make sure that all functions are being served properly. Now, this is a structure, I'm a BDR manager, but this is a structure for our sales team and our leads, how they work. So initially, the biggest thing that we decided to do was take into consideration all the demand that we're coming, that we're creating, whether it's inbound and outbound, and put a demo request form to separate um, the companies by employee size. All companies that are below 50 employees, because I've hired level two BDRs, I am acting as a sales manager at this point, and I'm coaching them on converting, qualifying, closing, and all that good stuff. At this point over here, we have joint ownership for calls uh, and accounts. The BDRs and AEs run the first call together. Now we're focusing more towards it. AEs running the first call together. Sorry, first call. Um, and the purpose of this is to essentially qualify well, but also qualify people out versus just bringing them in because of our excess demand. And this is more so the current working model right now, um, where you know at this point companies come in, we can work it together, we can qualify and qualify out. So, anyways, before we go into the training and uh, uh, the tools, we need to have a structure for how the leads flow how the work is gonna get done. Then on top of that, we need to optimize our training for what work needs to get done. So we spoke about inbounds earlier, right, Camille? Uh, we have a lot coming in. People have, Dooley is a new thing. It's a new industry line item. It's a brand new thing. People don't exactly know what it does. So the first part of the training that we had to optimize was we didn't need a tool for it. It was just my Calendly link. So everything was coming in on my Calendly. I was sending them to the AEs and BDRs and the AEs and, uh, sorry, BDRs and I were running discovery calls together. And our focus was to do three layers of pain discovery. I don't care about the technical issue that you're telling me. I want to see how this technical issue is impacting your business and your team. And then I want to understand how is that technical issues impact on your business and your team financially is impacting you on a personal level. That's how you solidify a pain. So I'm getting the reps in the beginning to understand that a pain is made of three layers. If I'm going to whoever to buy whatever tomorrow, I'm going because the business found out a pain. And then I'm I need to help them understand or they need to put me in a position where I can help them understand that, hey, this is significantly impacting my business and there is a financial loss to it because that's what I need to solve for. But then why would Saad buy whatever for Dooley? Saad will buy whatever for Dooley because Saad does not want to get fired. Saad wants to get promoted. So there's a personal interest there. 
So I'm coaching them and training them on that discovery pathway on how to do discovery. Um, that is where deals are won and lost, right? Qualification and discovery is where you realize whether you're going to be able to move people along or not. That's why in our model, one of the most important thing over here is this, is that at this point, we're focusing on not just, uh, uh, not just qualified people in, but qualifying them out. So once that is, once that baseline is set up and they're ready to go, now you have to think about the right tools to make that work. Cause previously we were using just uh, what's it called, uh, you know, Calendly. And then we got Chili Piper to make the handoff process smoother. But then it came even taking a step back is the tooling to help my reps get more organized. We have outbound lead buckets, inbound lead buckets. We have blogs, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Lucky I get to work at Dooley. My reps can just live and breathe through a single source of truth, a clean tool. Why? My job is also to remove clutter from the, the tabs and just from one, uh, from one tab to the other, a lot of that stuff. If you need to focus on discovery and this side of the business outbound, then I need to make sure that I take all the other clutter away from you. So you don't need to overcomplicate your tool stack. Basic tools like Dooley, Apollo, a data source, uh, Apollo, Zoom Info Works. And what I like is Looker. Because we're a PLG or a hybrid of a PLG, uh, we need to convince people on data. We can track how much people are using Dooley, how many pipelines are updating. So when managers are like, oh, just go talk to my reps, we're like, hey, look, your reps are actually using it to this extent. And they're actually benefiting from it. So I'm also training and coaching them how to have persona level conversations. Why and where does a VP of sales fit into this? They're impacted because their reps need to see a massive impact from this and benefit from this. Um, sorry, let me just go back to my point that I had over there so I don't miss anything. And uh, I think, yeah, those are some of the things and resources on top of that is obviously enablement resources, scripts, but not just scripts for the sake of one baseline, something to go off of a fall back on. And then write it like you, we spoke about earlier, baseline sequences, but then write it like you, because now you're also coaching yourself to optimize your talk tracks, right? Because that's the, what is enablement doing? They're writing for you. What if you can become your own enabler? What if you can become your own? So we talk about, we bought Apollo to create hot leads. Now, what is, what is, what is, what is that exact same thing? The concept for creating a hot lead with your tool. So I'm not just giving them the tool. I'm giving them the hack with the tool because that's what I used to do as a rep. So I used to use sales log previously at Clio. The training in there was you can assign scoring on certain clicks that if I send you an email, Camille, without a call to action, without a hey, book a demo for me, but I add my website link, I add a content piece that's relevant to you. And I just make it like, hey, just best of luck for Q1. Hope this helps. You know what's going to happen? If the thing is relevant, you'll click. If you like the blog, you'll go on the website. And if you assign the scoring, then and they've done those three actions, you'll get a notification. Hey, this person turned to a hot lead, go call them. So I'm coaching my reps to create their own hot leads. The strategy, that some, some, some of the things that we're working on the back end, I'm also giving them the very baseline example of how to manage that and build that for yourself your leads are going to dry out someday. How do you optimize your outbound? Yeah, you can just call a list of accounts, but how do you warm up that list of accounts? So 
yeah, I think that was a lot, but you know, I think oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, yeah, I think what I've learned is uh, a BDR manager does a lot, right? Like has a lot on your plate. If you're, if you're setting BDRs up for success, like as you are, right? Like if you're um, wanting them to become well-rounded sellers, right? Then you have to, you have to be able to handle outbound and inbound uh, and discovery, all of it, right? And understanding the product. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, really just the difference between coaching and training, which one to do first and building that confidence, right? And what thinking, again, um, reverse engineering, what types of activities should they be working on first? so that they can have that confidence and yeah. like things you mentioned are just making friends, like understanding the business, right. Understanding like who does what and like how they can help you in your selling journey and sort of enabling team selling, right. And this like connected selling that we talk about a lot uh, and then making it continuous, making coaching continuous, making the training continuous so that they're constantly leveling up and it's not just like a one and done thing. So um, yeah, uh, I know like, uh, yeah, we have to go in a couple minutes. Any, any closing thoughts? Yeah, there. So one thing on top of that is um, maybe people don't talk about this enough. Is I'm also coaching them on how to manage their stress. Which is so. What I'll do is I'll send them a quick message. Hey, I'm going to the gym. And then I'll get a message from Jess the next day. Hey, so I'm going for Pilates. I'm like, please do go by all means. Um, I'm teaching them the importance of a routine, a morning routine. Um going to the gym, setting up your way, day with a task, just it, these weird old school things, they work. They're real, especially in sales when it's so psychological, when everything is just all over the place. What can I do to keep my bucket happy? I'm coaching them to live their life. And it seems like it's all vibes and feels, but the reality here is in the back end, there's so much data-driven work being done. We're actively, literally every single day, we're checking looker lists on product usage stats. So we're not just going and calling people. We're calling people based on intent data. We built out our, our, our Salesforce pages using Pardot and all these interesting moments. So we're not calling people, just they're just there. We're calling them based on a certain score. I don't want my reps to go willy-nilly call people. I want you to go call people and have a story to talk about. It's still kind of warm, not really. It's still fully cold, not really, but it's strategic. Is it confusing? It's not meant to be confusing. It's just different because other people don't do it this way. Um, the third most important part is I'm sending them a lot to the marketing team to talk to them, to build campaigns, to really become whatever this company is about to become, whatever the people here are about to become. Um, and honestly, it's a day-to-day -day learning and optimization process for me. I The most interesting, most fun thing for me last week was we had our training uh, to use Looker and dashboard stats on how we can sell duly better, how we can tell VPs of sales that, hey, you know what? This is what's going on in your company. This is what you should do to your reps. And then to be able to empower my BDRs with that, everybody says we're data-driven. But what does that mean? Everybody says we have, uh, typically it's like, oh, let's call these accounts. Everybody says we have good culture, but typically it means beer pong tables and just, you know, beer taps or whatever. So I guess closing statement is I'm trying to figure out what true culture means being remote. And my hack is just being a friend to my reps and helping them live their life, uh, live a happy life. And, and I guess to close off, um, I'm building them for their success in their life, not just duly success. 
Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's the same message in marketing and sales and, uh, you know, with any type of manager, like if you are optimizing for the success of your customer, and in your case, your customers like are, is your team, right. Uh, and the, the BDRs and thinking about it that way, like you're, you're going to get the results that you want if you're optimizing for their success, like versus yours. And it actually comes full circle, right? Like their success is your success. I just took it and I didn't mention customers at all this entire time. I, uh, the full verbiage was towards the BDR. So thanks for pulling that together. But yeah, no. Yeah, the BDRs are, are your customers. I think that's a beautiful, that's a good good end statement. So Saad, thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, always enjoy uh, hear, hearing you chat. And I learned a ton from this and uh, just how to think about onboarding in general, because I think these can be applied to marketing as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll always enjoy talking to you and we'll chat soon. Always a pleasure. I'll, I'll be in your Slack real soon. <laughs> <I'll be over. laughs> All right. See you, Cam. Talk soon. See you, Saad. Thanks for listening to The Revenue Playbook. For more sales playbooks, head over to dooley.ai.